Welcome to the Media Mavens Podcast. This is the podcast where you'll find the latest and greatest trends, topics, and tribulations with industry leaders. And now, here is your host, the CEO of Axis Entertainment and the Media Excellence Awards, the original media maven herself, Sarah Miller. Hi, this is Sarah Miller, CEO of Access Entertainment, and your host today for Media Maven's podcast. And I'm here with my co-host, sportscaster and public affairs man, Joe Pirates. Hi, Joe. Hello. Broiling out here in Arizona right now. It's about uh, 95 degrees. I bet you it's a little cooler <laughs> in Milwaukee. Uh, yeah, well, I'm jealous just because it's 80 here in L.A. and I obsess with snow. But let's talk about Milwaukee. Let's talk all things sports. Super excited to have... Peter Fagan, the CEO of Milwaukee Bucks and the CEO of the Pfizer Forum. We're all things NBA, talking hoops here. Peter, welcome to the Media Mavens podcast show. Thank you. Welcome to the Fresh Coast. It's about 35 degrees. Good, good <laughs> oh. mile an hour wind. You know, a little nippy. Get everybody up and at them. So it's different. We've got, we've got the opposite of Arizona and L.A. Yeah, it's a good balance. Everything is all about balance. Offense, defense. So let's talk sports and hoops. What's going on? It was good to see you guys. I know you were in the bubble for a while. We finished season. I know they've moved the schedule around. What's going on with the team? How are you guys doing with COVID? And what's going on with you guys right now? Yeah, I think like the rest of the world, we're we're navigating kind of a, a roadmap that doesn't have a destination, you know, really until we got great news on on, on the prospect of a vaccine, you know, which for live sports entertainment is a game changer, you know, depending on kind of the timing and the sequencing of getting that. But we are kind of in a whole new world where operationally we think of rapid testing and tracing and, and touchless, you know, uh, experiences to mobile wallets and how we measure crowds for disinfecting and cleaning things that might have been in our mindset, but weren't top of mind as we as we navigate the future. And now we're going to start a season on December 22nd that, you know, will not be in a bubble and we'll be navigating, you know, a really challenging environment where COVID is surging, you know, over the last few weeks. So you guys, so you're not putting fans in the seats yet. I mean, I know now, California. Would not- I would think the NBA will probably only have, you know, less than 10, five to 10 teams that will have fans in the seats to start. We will not be one of them just because of where we are environmentally. Like I don't see us kind of having modified attendance until maybe a month or two into the season. Like, I don't think anybody's going to have fans. And I think they're all looking towards that March, April, when the vaccines come out mm-hmm. and it's safety. I mean, I miss, and we've talked about this in the past with other sports guys. I miss being on the court. Like I used to be a Clippers girl. I was always on the court. Every game, I miss being at games right now. So I know how hard it is for fans to not be there and the energy and excitement. But so I know from the fan standpoint, you know, you got that to deal with. But you guys are hitting your season so close to ending this last one with COVID. I mean, how is that affecting the team? I know with football, there's all these injuries that they're tackling right now, literally, because they didn't do pre-camp and stuff. How are you guys doing this in the NBA? Because you guys are coming off the courts a month or two, you're back on again. Yeah, I, I think, you know, if you prioritize health and wellness, specifically like being partners with the Players Association, it's how do we how do we time this? How do we have the cadence so people are, you know, have enough weeks in training camp, like really have time that the games are spread out, that we really care not only about the competitive set, that we want to like completely avoid 
you know, it's happened to some other pro sports, which have been like these injuries that have kind of scaled up a little bit higher than, than in the past. So it's, it's a, it's a real concern. It's top of mind. I think it's, um, and it's change, you know, this is all kind of, this is all changing behavior. So you take pro athletes that are used to having the summer off, going to Vegas summer league for the NBA and, and having camp at the beginning of October to like completely changing the model. So, you know, I think, I think everybody understands we are making the best out of like what is a really challenging opportunity and, and being able to execute a season is, is kind of is beyond our expectation. So I think, I think from the players to the executives, to the owners, everybody's kind of with the one big goal of we can execute a season is, is pretty happy. How are the players doing mentally? Cause you know, the players are thriving on the energy, the excitement, but they've got to be at the top of their game right now. And I know, I mean, I was super happy, you guys. I mean, the bubble was what it was, but I know the NBA made a decision to pull so many teams to put them in the rest of the season. And I always felt, what about some of these other teams who deserve to finish the season? Because there's a lot of underdogs that don't start off well, but they end well and they kill it or they at least go to the playoffs. And I felt like there's a lot of teams that, in my opinion, kind of didn't get the chance to really shine because this COVID and the NBA chose you bottom rate teams aren't going to the bubble. You guys are. Has that affected anybody on the team with NBA? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a, it's an interesting question because I would tell you the teams that were in the bubble, like the rest of us in, in the world, were really affected emotionally and psychologically. And yeah. we really need to resource. Like when you talk about things we might not have thought about at the beginning of executing the bubble, you really think about how do we take th- these young men and and really resource them with people to talk to, people to have support, to understand what it's like to be in isolation, you know, nothing that's ever happened before. So, you know, I think the outside vision is you've got these pro athletes, you know, who certainly are compensated well, they get to play pro sports, but the truth is they were like isolated in a bubble, some of them over, you know, 120 days to, yeah. you know, to, to really live kind of this this insane life. And we learned, like, again, to reinforce how important the mental and emotional and psychological health of the players are. And then I think, like, what the balance of the league is, is those who played, you know, which were, you know, 18 teams and the 12 teams didn't play. Like, that's one of the advantages and disadvantages. So the league spent a lot of time and effort to make sure that there were avails to have kind of pseudo camps for those teams to still play basketball during that summer period and the fall period. As as of this time, Peter, uh, the NCAA is looking to be uh, doing the bubble as well in Indianapolis. What would be the one or two pieces of advice you would give the NCAA to successfully carrying out a bubble season like the uh, NBA did this year? I think it's really adherence to to protocols and the rules. Like it's that simple. You know, like when you're really able to control it, how do you start it at a very high level with consistency? And and that the use of masks, you know, the 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 protocol when and if somebody has COVID or they're exposed, like how to do it. I mean, it, it's kind of it's not simple, but the thought of kind of marching down the straight line and, and following the protocol, but it, it's really challenging. It's really expensive. It's really labor intensive on things like cleaning, you know, and things like food preparation, like in a whole different way. I mean, it was kind of really interesting. I was curious to it. I mean, it was just like a whole different world as a league prepping for it, executing it and kind of living through it operationally. So, you know, the, the nice thing is they've got the model and all of us in sports and events are all working together to for best practices. So they don't have to start from zero. They can certainly take 
the NBA's best practices, Major League Baseball's best practices, and and football's best practices to really try to roadmap a successful plan. How is it going over there? Because I know because you're not in the bubble, you're going to host some home games as well as away games. How are you guys going to do with all of those sponsors financially with this? Because I know there's a lot of very loyal sponsors to some of the teams. They're not reaching the fans. Is that affecting you guys or how are you guys handling that? Yeah, I think like the sponsors from day one, it's been how do how do you really create value, you know, and how do you really partner with them? I mean, our immediate reaction was how do we quickly get with our partners and have those discussions, you know, of, of what does this look like? How could we create value, whether it's digital assets, social assets, or, you know, the media assets that are, you know, have continued throughout it. And how do we get creative? Because, you know, there are no hospitality, you know, for example, vehicles, you know, for people to come to games or to get it. And, you know, and we've lost on a revenue side, 40 to 45% of our revenue are actually ticketed attendance and what those impressions are. So I think it's, it's, it's helped, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a delusional optimist. I, I look at kind of like where, where it's led us, it's led us to like create different inventory that's never existed before, whether it's signage on the court, whether it's different virtual signage, like in and around a broadcast in a big way. And it's made us think differently, you know, to, to how to retain that revenue as much as we can and provide the value to sponsors. So it's been a whole different world to, uh, to see it. I mean, all these little things you see in premier soccer of, of the seats tarped and, you know, in major league baseball, it's a, a lot of thought, a lot of really kind of conversation and, and creating that value. So it's been beyond like a fascinating moment in time and really accelerated, you know, everything's really happened like in the last six months. And I think it's put our business, you know, light years ahead to to where we where it would probably take us five years to get to where we are today and thinking about assets and value for sponsors. Well, it's so funny because when some of the games I saw, you know, they tarped off the seats because you can't put people there. But I actually recognize some of the brands there. If I'm at a game, I'm not looking and it probably isn't good for any fans or any teams. I'm not looking at the advertisers. I don't I care less about them. I'm watching the game. I'm all into the game and the environment, but I don't really pay attention to the who's branding and who's advertising the boards. But during the playoffs this year, I was actually seeing the brands tarped over and it made me think, oh, okay, that's a brand. I, you know, it, it just, it, I resonated more with the brands because the signers, the signs were bigger, the tarps over half the stadium. This is the first time I actually noticed some of the sponsors and brands. Let's be honest. I feel you're at a game. You're watching the game. You're not really paying attention to. That's just me. I know that's not a good thing. All brands should spend tons of money on your game and the NBA. But I like the tarped off seat aspect because it caught my attention. Yeah. You know, one of the other challenges is how do you make a production, you know, a great production with no fans? Like that's like one of those, you know, that's one of those really tough, you know, Joe knows when you, when you, when you're broadcasting and you have an audience and, and you do it versus when you don't, you know, what are our sounds like? What do the visuals look like? What do the sight lines look like? You know, and as a league, we kind of jumped into that to, to just constant improvement, you know, continually tweak it. It is not easy to pipe in sound. It is not easy, you know, in these empty arenas in, in a big way. So it, it's been this whole evolution, which is, Great learning experience, but I'm the first one to tell you I can't wait till we can have fans in the stands. Yeah, but doesn't isn't Bango allowed on the courts? He's in his he's ben, not allowed, he's covered, he has a mask. Bango has to graze like in the concourse or the stand. <laughs> like he will not yeah, Bango will not be able to be like down by the court. Yeah. Okay, 
Sarah, you've opened up the basketball talk right now. And <laughs> I'm going to. Peter, Peter did say, let's go. Green lights on. Ask okay. away. <laughs> okay. Uh, you've got Giannis and a big name there. But I like the fact that the you guys are not sitting pat right now. You guys were out in the second round by the Heat. You guys sat, sat there and said, you know what? We can do better. And talk a little bit about the trade. You had a three way deal going on between you and I believe it was the Kings and the New Orleans Pelicans. Yeah. I mean, I think like a really simple story. So our owners, you know, our owners from day one were, how do we, how do we create a championship team? And, you know, I think in the NBA today, it's really about talent, you know, and how do you surround it? And it's specifically about shooting. You know, I think it's a guard league and it's a mm-hmm. shooters league and, and, and Bogdan and, and uh, Drew Holiday are, are two players that kind of fit that at the highest level in a big way. And, and it's no secret. I mean, the real key is how do we, how do we surround Giannis, who is a two-time league MVP, mm-hmm. with real talent to, to be able to run at a championship, to get it done? So, you know, John Horst, who's our general manager, really navigated free agency to date in like an unbelievable way, you know, to get us, get us in a place to be able to not only acquire, but in the same way attract. These people are excited to like come to Milwaukee, which is kind of like what you want. You know, we've created an environment. You know, it's attractive. Now, I will say a lot of it is like we've got a beautiful coast. We've got great arts. We've got great mm-hmm. restaurants. But when you have Giannis, it becomes very attractive to be around Giannis. Let me ask you now with that. Uh, you got you have a very different situation than a lot of the NBA teams do have. Uh, you your main competition is the Milwaukee Brewers. And then during the winter, Green Bay is a little ways away from Milwaukee. You guys seem to have a little bit of the. I would say the market to yourselves during the winter. Would you agree or disagree? Yeah, I would totally agree. I mean, listen, this is the NFL has a massive domestic market. You know, it, it's like in the state of Wisconsin, there's a 50 share every time like the Packers play, you know, which is incredible to get it done. The Brewers do 3 million in attendance a given year beyond a loyal fan base, which is incredible for us. We had this unbelievable opportunity five years ago, plus to almost start from zero. Like there wasn't a team that was more distressed, you know, in all of pro sports, you know, in every metric we were in last place in attendance and revenue and in record, you know, we had won 15 games, you know, to get it. And the biggest differential is, you know, unlike baseball, unlike football, we have this global platform. We actually have this opportunity because our games are broadcast in 115 countries because our audience is larger in China than it is in the U.S., that our players are international, you know, in a big way to really kind of like, yes, we want to be Milwaukee's team. We want to be Wisconsin's team. We want to be the Midwest team. But you can kind of go for the global team, you know, like in the NBA, which is kind of exciting and fun. So we see them as, as complimentary. You know, I think, I think the summer is, is really owned by baseball, you know, and like you said, football, it's tough. I think the NBA is in an interesting place because we open during Christmas week, which is kind of, if you had a magic wand, you'd probably open then anyway. Cause like there's the media attention. Cause you've got the NFL fading out mm-hmm. and, and we, we really do own those, those winter and spring months, like going up into our playoffs. So this will be fun because you know, I think at some point, you know, we might really look as a league to how do we start a little bit later and take advantage of, of interest peaking like more in the late November, early December. I think it's interesting. Cause like you said, I love, you know, football's kind of taken a stand and NBA. I mean, 
is, like you said, Christmas is the best time to open season. You know, MLB was a little controversial. You know, West Coast Lakers took it. The Dodgers took it. But what I find interesting, just talking about sports in general, Peter, we haven't heard anything coming out of NHL. Like everybody's kind of put a stake in the ground, figured out how to do this, when to come back and how. But I find it interesting that I have not seen any leadership coming out of NHL. And we're right in the, we were starting NHL normally, in a normal world. This is their season. So I will say like one of the interesting challenges and we have it because we have a team in Toronto. I mean, the, the Canadian teams are really, it's internationally challenging. Wait, which navigate. team do you guys have up there? Toronto Raptors. That's what the, okay, yeah. yes. So, 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 you know, the competitive set and being able to navigate kind of what's happening with COVID and really nobody talked about it, but you know, there, there are more issues in hockey and that you have several teams, you know, kind of in, in Canadian provinces. So, so that's one of the issues. I'm not as up on the NHL. I mean, I do know on where we are with the virus and where we are with our, our best practices. We collaborate with their operations group as much, but I'm not sure like where they are in kind of communication and starting. Yeah. So you you mentioned something a few minutes ago, Peter, you know, it's all about the team, right? Yeah. Like winning, it's all about it's becoming more and more about the players taking into the playoffs, taking the finals. You talked about players. I don't know. How, I mean, I don't think this is controversial, but I'm just going to state my opinion on NBA. I was upset that, yes, a good team is all about as good as its players are. But I feel like coaches have a lot to do with it. I know the Clippers kind of bottomed up too early on, so they fired Doc Rivers. But as I've seen a lot of these guys, they're firing their coaches, but we're in COVID. There's a lot going against the team, but it's like, it is, the team is great, but is it also about the coach? Not so much, or is it really shifted to, it's all about the team, but I feel like the coach is such an integral part of taking the team all the way. And I'm seeing everybody just fire these coaches right and left because their teams aren't doing well, but we're in a pandemic. Like, so just even getting to that point is tremendous for anybody. Yeah, listen, I think, I, I I mean, I think like when you're in the competitive set and you're a coach or GM, like you're really under the pressure because your metrics are wins and losses. You know, that's like what makes it really challenging to, to get it. And and there's no hiding, you know, from where where you are and what expectations are and, and that. But the coach is beyond important. You know, it's it's the leader. It's the chef. It's the it's the maestro, the quarterback, you know, to 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 really set the tone to really create the culture and even in more of like, what's the system? What's the strategy? How do you pivot and change like during games? And, and as you guys know, for people, you know, everybody gets away from the fact that we're like in the people business and you're dealing with human beings. I mean, imagine like the psyche of, of really getting, you know, everybody motivated every day, you know, to, to go, I know it, it always sounds crazy that you've got to motivate somebody that gets paid so much money. Yes. Yeah. Like everybody is human. Everybody, you need, everybody needs a cheerleader. Everybody needs a cheerleader. Everybody's got to have a good cheerleader. I am a great cheerleader, but sometimes I could pivot to be a better coach. I'm kidding. But like, I just, I just feel like the competition, I just, here's my theory on this. I'm seeing a lot of these, there's a lot of shifts right now in basketball and all sports it's COVID. do you think this is going to make you guys more competitive in december to kind of prove and make up for the year that was kind of lost due to covid yeah i mean if you talk about us specifically like i think i think we're we're beyond disappointed we're beyond angry we're beyond frustrated we want to 
you know, release where a team that's had, you know, that's, that's had a hundred wins over the last two regular. I mean, we've, we've executed so well, like during the regular season and, and started to have disappointments. I wouldn't say the year prior, you know, we were a game or two away from the NBA finals. I think last year was a disappointment in kind of the bubble in general, but I think when you take a winning culture and you really create high expectations and it's about performance and you fail, which like we think we all did together, like, you know, the reaction is really important. Like, and, and in the best case, that leads to success. You know, like if you kind of go through the history of, of th- those who prevail, like usually have failed like mightily. And that's, you know, I think that's part of it. I hate going through it. It sucks. And, but I do think, you know, for us and for Giannis culturally, it's all building blocks. And I'm, I'm not a big fan of life's lessons and we've got to learn this and go through the journey, but I think at the end of the day, it really is. You, you take your bumps and and you learn. And I think uh, a big part of that uh, success right now that the Bucks are feeling right now is because of you, because you came into a situation where the future of Milwaukee basketball was a little bit hairy at times, but you guys ended up building. You were the man behind the new arena, the five serve forum, and you got it built. And now you have Giannis. You have a team that is generally ready to go on a moment's notice to win an NBA title. Yeah, we plan to get lucky. I mean, is the best way to say it. We came in with like the worst kind of situation. We're able to get a new arena. Trust me, six years ago, nobody knew Giannis was going to be Giannis, like in a big way. We created a district, a 30-acre district in the downtown Milwaukee that were brownfields. We created a real culture of transparency and, and kind of performance, like basically really explaining like we're not joking around like we're here to win and this is what it means to happen and then in like due course which was just awesome and we built unbelievably strong relationships you know with with the community in another way so kind of all in one big you know swoop we were able to like really host a competitive team in a brand new arena when the market was just dying to like reach out and hug us like in a big way so it really worked out kind of perfectly to get that done. And yes, you couldn't make up what Giannis was on the accelerant, you know, top. It's like literally putting gas on the fire, which was which was just so awesome and lucky. Uh, with the community support that you guys have gotten, I'm sure that was a building block when it came down to to the Bucks. How did you guys go about getting that community support, one for the arena and two for the team itself? Yeah, I don't think there's any other way to consider about impactful engagement and relationships than like time and energy and building trust. I mean, like this was from day one. I mean, I always laugh that, you know, I must have talked to, you know, 50 Lions clubs, you know, the bridge clubs, the, you know, selling like, this is our value prop. Like we're coming in here. We're a different team. Like this is what we're going. I mean, literally like knocking on doors to, to kind of tell us, because at the same time, we were really looking for state and county and city support to build an arena. I think it's, you know, people always tell us because we're one of the, you know, great case studies of success of kind of, hey, build an arena, do it. And they're always like, give me the magic pill. Give me, you know, yeah. what to do. And I'm always like, oh, you're not going to like this answer. Like, welcome to, you know, <laughs> welcome to, you know, a couple hundred meetings with your assembly and state senators. Welcome to understanding what's really going on. And by the way, like Wisconsin, the Midwest is like a very different place than like for a fast talking New York sales guy like myself. So like times it by two, like the the equity you got to build, you know, that people actually don't think you're full of shit and you follow through. So it's a whole different feel. It's crazy. How long has it taken to get the 
Pfizer Stadium uh, from beginning to end? Was this so, like the speed build during COVID? That or no? So we started. We, we bought the team in in the season of uh, in the fifteen sixteen season, and it's basically been you know five plus years. We opened up Pfizer two years ago this fall, so we've had our second half of our second year kind of shut down by COVID to get it done. But we've also, we, we have a 30 acre plot of land in the middle of downtown, which includes residential parking. We have a district with retail entertainment and, and bars and restaurants and uh, some residential and our training center and a medical office. building. So, you know, we, we also on top of like, hey, let's win a championship in the NBA. We we're like, hey, why don't we build a neighborhood? Like yeah. in the middle of like one well, of It's a community. Areas. It's a family. Yeah. Yeah. So is, is Pfizer, are they, are they wireless? Did you, did you, it's a fairly new facility. Did you build it? Yeah, a- I mean, it is 5G. It is mobile app, mobile wallet, digital tickets, like as quickly as, you know, how, what can you do on your second screen as fast as you possibly can? Well, see, I see, I love that. I mean, I, one, I love the idea because we read, I read mobile sports report constantly. So mm-hmm. it's always talking about which stadiums are updating, who's moving to 5G. But, and I would think that just coming back, you want to put people in the seats. You want to keep everybody safe. But people are now, our big thing is, has been lean in on the technology right now. People are so afraid of it. And more sports teams are kind of adapting to tech, or they were before COVID, adapting to the technology to order, to be delivery, to share content, everything possible all from your um, cell phone. So you could actually order from your cell phone, have it come to your seat on your cell phone. Because who wants to go up and get a beer and fries and then miss that last shot? or miss a half pointer, they want to stay because everybody's glued to the TVs or they're like turning their necks around while they're walking up the concourse so they don't want to miss anything. So more sports teams that we've known and I've I've talked to are adapting the technology on mobile service of ordering and giving things delivered directly to your actual seat. Are you guys going to start adapting to a lot more of that technology? We're way down the road. So, I mean, we innovated and created, you know, the first industry's beer button. So just what you said, nothing better in Wisconsin. If you want to sell something in in great volume, sell beer in Wisconsin. So how in one one push of a button are you getting seat delivery of beer, you know, which which increased our beer volume, you know, which is hard to do in the state of Wisconsin, you know, by double-digit growth to get it done. You know, we talked about how do we create seamless entry. You know, think about all all the friction spots. You know, you don't want to wait online. You want to know what bathrooms are filled and not filled. You want grab-and-go food. You want to pre-order. All those things are kind of directionally like where we are in, in a big way. No, I was going to say, just, you know, just being in tech, it just, it's great because it gives people a chance to get back to the games, that no contact, the, you know, the contactless payments. I think it's great that you guys are adapting the whole technology and leaning into it. It's not just great for you guys. It's a great revenue source, but it's keeping people safe, knowing that anything they could do is on their phone. They don't have to contact, you know, be near other people to get what they want to do to get into the game. So I love that you guys are actually adapting and embracing all this new technology to run the team and all the events. Yeah. I mean, I think for us, really the future is is all about like, where are you going to innovate? How are you going to streamline kind of your operations. I mean, it's also in a much bigger pool, like the world of data and insights, you know, the more you know about your customer, you know, the the better you'll be. How do we create an ecosystem where, you know, I can follow you from your door to your parking seamlessly, to your retail store, to your food experience, to your seat, 
you know, and then and back out and then start customizing your experience, you know, to to really think about what the what the future is. Imitation is the greatest form of flattery. Are owners coming by and taking a look at what you guys have built and saying, you know what, I think we could do this too? Yeah, I mean, I think like we're such a collaborative, like in the NBA, it's like incredible. We compete like animals against each other on the court, yeah. but off the court, we are best practices. How do we really kind of concentrate? So much like I went to Orlando and Brooklyn, who were the newest arenas when and took best practices and dealt with their architects and their operators and and what they had learned, like we have the Clippers, you know, and, and, and Balmer and Gillian and the folks at the Clippers coming to us and, and consulting on a regular basis of like, what did you learn? What did you, what did you get? Which is great. I mean, that's how you end up, you know, going to the next level. We tested a lot of things when you talk about technology. I think we're all like, you know, kind of how do we navigate and integration, you know, is the next big, how do all these things work together? You know, and, and we were the last you know, kind of Petri dish that, that kind of put it together. Who's going to do the next experiment? How do we help them? Nice. So Joe, I have so many questions about Peter. Where, how are you guys doing? I know we, I know Joe is all about the sports. We have all these sports questions. How is your family there at the office, like the corporate team? Are you guys back in offices right now? Are you still remote? No, we're completely remote. We have a modified kind of basketball operations working because of the draft and, uh, and free agency. We are testing everybody who's uh, who's coming in in and out of the facility. We've got the protocols you would think. This is like the rare moment I'm not in a mask just because we can tape this, but we're uh, you know pretty strict, consistent protocols. But we we are we are shut down you know primarily on on the operational side, except for essential work on the on the arena, the facility security, things like that. When you talk about people coming over and taking a look at your your facility, are we looking at uh, any more uh, different uh, arenas being built right now uh, in the NBA? I mean, I know that uh, Phoenix right now is out of uh, Talking Stick Arena and that they're looking on, you know, kind of rebuilding the entire building there. I mean, what are we looking at right now? Yeah, I think the Clippers are probably next in line for what will be like an you know down by the LA Forum, which will be like an interesting, like incredible build to get done. I think you've seen renovations in. You'll see it in Arizona. You've seen it in Utah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's taking these physical plants and basically making them, you know, new. I think one of the more dramatic probably in the last 10 years was was the, the renovation of Madison Square Garden for over a billion dollars. I think probably there are four or five teams exploring, like, what new arenas, what, what renovations would look like. So I think you've got this cycle with 30 teams that every, you know, five, seven years you're, you're going to have you can have one or two teams like kind of aging out of a building or, or looking to renovate. Got it. So what do we have to look forward to, Peter? I mean, we're running out of time and I don't, I want to really talk about what's in the future, what's in store for the Bucks moving into this next year, this next season, as we get through COVID. Yeah, I think for us, it's, it's going to be kind of a ramp up. I mean, we're going into a season that's never existed before. I think we're going to put a lot of emphasis on like the play on the court. You know, NBA basketball is back. And kind of how do we have a competitive set? And then for us, kind of operationally and and physically, how do we and the rest of the 30 teams really ramp up attendance and kind of start reoperating? I think for us, you know, we're looking at the next 12 months of how do we how do we really get out as fast as we can and ramp up to a place where we were pre-COVID to to get in. So I'd say we're in the recovery stage now. We want to accelerate, you know, into the operating stage and get to get to at least par, 
you know, to where we were pre-COVID, that would be, you know, that that would be a, a very good place 12 months from now to tell you we're near to where we were two years ago. Perfect. So a lot of the um, sports fans, basketball fans, where's a good place to send everybody and all the listeners right now who want to start tracking the season, follow the Bucks, their favorite players, where can they go? Yeah, I mean, I think you go right to Instagram, Bucks site. We've got a great Snap site. We've got Bucks.com, like on our general website. We've got our, our TikTok. You know, it's we've got Giannis and Page. You name it, like there's so many channels, there's so many different tastes, but you, you do your general search of bucks and you will you will click in with a few million other people to to kind of experience kind of the curation of short form every minute of every hour of every day and and kind of what what kind of entertainment and absorbing the brand in a real fun in a real fun way. So we love, you know, that's been another great kind of output of, of this Gover world is we've all focused a lot more on our touch points, you know, which a lot of it is social. So how do you Hey, keep the fan base engaged, you know, by by having like really creative, great short form, you know, entertainment. So I love that you guys have a TikTok. That's great. You guys are embracing everything right now. My God, Peter, it was so nice to have you on our show today. I'm so glad a chance to hang out with you and talk to you about sports and the Bucks and what's going on back in Milwaukee. So this is Sarah Miller. Meet me of his podcast. I want to thank Joe for being my co-host today. And Peter, thank you so much. We wish you guys the best of luck yes. when season starts again, December over the holidays. And we'll be sure to stay posted and follow you guys along the way. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Media Mavens podcast. If you don't want to miss an episode or you want to find past episodes, subscribe to the Media Mavens podcast on your favorite podcast provider. For more information, go to MediaMavensPodcast.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.